And we are back. Hi, my name's Owen, the host of the Anfield Edition podcast, and in this episode, we're going to be previewing the forthcoming season. Me, Taylor and Laurie are going to be talking transfers after a busy window for the Reds, giving our general overview on pre-season, and even making some cheeky Premier League predictions of our own. So stay tuned. Hey Taylor and Laurie, you guys excited to be back talking about Liverpool? Uh, yeah, no, can't wait for the new season to start. It was obviously good to have football on during the summer, especially with England doing well. Obviously nothing beats club football, you just get back, new Premier League season. It's a good time to be a Liverpool fan. I mean, we've had a good pre-season, lots of wins, good performances, and the new, new side has settled in well too. So uh, there's a good feeling around the club that for the first time under Klopp, we do have the uh, squad to take our next step and challenge for the title. Hi mate, yep, definitely excited to talk about Liverpool again. The World Cup was brilliant and fantastic seeing England get as far as they did, but that doesn't compare to watching the Reds. It's been an impressive pre-season and long the signs we've made, it's amazing being a very promising season. Yeah, completely agree with you guys. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this season. Um, it was a good summer, wasn't it? Um, like you said, Laurie, um, as an England fan, it was a bloody brilliant time. Uh, the whole World Cup in general was fun as well. Um, it definitely made me forget the Champions League final and all that heartbreak at the end. And it's bridged the gap to this season, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, it was overall, I thought it was a good tournament. Obviously, Euro 2016 was quite a disappointment. Lots of uh, draws and negative matches. But I thought that nearly every game this tournament had its own element of drama and every uh, twist along the way. And it also helped that England performed well. Obviously, the nation were brought together. There's a real bond between the fans and the team that we haven't had in years. So credit for Southgate for bringing that back. And... Uh, Having that gap between the end of the season and the start of the new season bridged by having football on obviously definitely helped and it helped to uh, make fans stop worrying about the certain Fakia saga. <laughs> yeah, agreed. It was an excellent World Cup. Loads of great goals and matches. And like I said, you couldn't beat the hype and sense of togetherness surrounding England. And it finally felt like there was something special happening. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's jump into some Liverpool chat, shall we? Um, starting with the sign-ins, because it's what everyone will be wanting us to talk about. Uh, let's begin with what will seemingly be the end at this point now. It's Alisson to Liverpool. Finally, a top-notch keeper, but does the £67 million price tag uh, concern you at all, Laurie? I think after the Champions League final, there was no way Klopp could have persisted with carries and goal. I mean, not even from a technical standpoint, but his mentality was affected. And with the spotlight that would have been on him, the criticism he would have faced, keeping him as number one would have been simply counterproductive. I mean, for years, the goalkeeping position has been a problem for us. And we really haven't had a top-level keeper since the prime of Pepe Reina. And it was a position that we undoubtedly need to strengthen the most. And which is why the move for Alisson made so much sense. I mean, I know we linked with Oblak and Butland. But, and all the strengths, obviously, maybe not Butland, but Oblak has. It was just, he's a world-class shot stopper. I mean, for Roma, he averaged 3.41 shots per goal. But it's also his distribution. He's on another level. Showing us his kick to Salah that helped score open against Napoli last week. Is he overpriced? I mean, possibly, but that's the going rate nowadays. And with Chelsea about to spend 70 million or so on the Kepper, it makes Alisson look like great value. And it, I mean, it fixes the long standing issue in our team. So. Yeah, definitely. And I agree. Um, I think value in the modern market is representative of how much, uh, you know, a team is lacking in that department. And with Liverpool, the goalkeeping situation, I think it was evident to almost everyone that follows football that. That's been a problem area for mm. some time now with Mignolet and both carriers. So, yeah. and I agree with you as well. Like with Rayner, he was the last good keeper we had. Exactly. So, completely agree there. And it's good business, in my opinion. Um, much like a dog, uh, Alison isn't just for Christmas, he is for life. 
Um, <laughs> well, you know, the duration of his career or until he moves on to another club. But you, you get where I'm coming from. Um, but all in all, second highest save success rate across Europe's uh, top five leagues. Second to our black, like you said, um, who I think is probably the best keeper in the world. And I'm sure you two might agree with me there. Yeah, he's not yeah. bad. Yeah. Uh, none, no, nonetheless, second, yeah. would you say second? Who, who do you reckon is um, top keeper in the world then? Right now, probably. Yeah, yeah. I'll go with yeah, right it. now. What he's done for United's consistently. All Black's, all Black's close, close, yeah. And obviously, Neuer up there. He's great. Yeah. Well, Neuer's been injured yeah, for, for a season, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe I've just got an agenda if I'm not picking De Gea. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Bias man. It was more just like the World Cup performances that, you know, I, I guess that's devalued him, in, in my opinion at least. Mm. But obviously, United fans will, cu- will come at me for saying that. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, so um, nonetheless, I mean, it's distrib- like you said, it's distribution, it's first class, and we saw how effective that was for Man City last season with Edison. You know, they decided that Bravo wasn't good enough, they brought in Edison, and, and they win the league, and he was crucial in that aspect. Um, and he's got a big beard, and you can't really go wrong with the, the big old beard. You can't go wrong. So yeah, um, Naby Keita then, we'll move on to him. Um, I think this is the most exciting of the bunch, to be honest. I know probably some hyped somewhat has faded because he was signed last season. And it feels like he's sort of been on loan at Leipzig this season. If you if you get where I'm coming from there, so yeah, yeah, it's it, like the hype's faded a little bit. But I think he's the most exciting. Um, what do you think, Taylor? Uh, yeah, I agree. I think obviously it's great to have a world class keeper for the first time in how many years. But uh, I think for fans, Cater is the most exciting acquisition of the summer. I think I can speak for every Liverpool fan when I say we couldn't wait for him to be finally announced and in a red shaft of having to watch Leipzig for every game last season as well as Liverpool. He didn't quite hit the heights uh, last season that he did the previous year, but there was definitely an element you could see in his game that he had the move to Anfield on his mind. But I think he's shown this entire preseason how much class he uses. I think he suits Klopp down to the ground. I think um, he buys into our system really well. His abundance of energy, and it seems he's already brought into the idea of counter-pressing. And I think we'll really see our style of play play to his strengths. And uh, we've seen glimpses of his runs forward, especially against Dortmund, but I think there's more to come from him and we haven't yet seen the best of his creative credentials in a red shirt. Yeah, completely agree. I think there is definitely more to come with him and I think that's the same probably for every Liverpool player when you look at pre-season that we've signed. Um, It's really going to be crunch time this Sunday and, that, and from there we'll see the you know the true performances from them. Um, also, I'm not too sure, Laurie, if you were going to bring this up um, with the stats, but obviously it was actually, if you look at it, it was better than 16-17, but people feel... It wasn't as a as good season for um Kaita. Like I said, if his mind was elsewhere, I'm not too sure. But that that sixteen seventeen season, obviously, it was his breakout season. So yeah, um, just what I'd, I'd throw that in there. Um, in a way, um, I'm glad we haven't got Fakir as well. I think this could play into Kaita's hands almost. Um, obviously, this is true at the time of recording. We could go out tomorrow and do a madness and and sign Fakir on the final day, but. I don't think that's really going to happen. Now it's for here. <laughs> Taylor, you got you got any little scoops you're going to give us? Any little nuggets of gold that you've possibly got? Unfortunately <laughs> not, but the the eagle has landed, I can confirm. <laughs> the eagle, right. Um, yeah, but this means, like I said, with Kaita, we'll get to see that attacking potential fulfilled. Um, what do you think, Laurie? And, you know, I think he's such an exciting player, and, and to watch him this season, I think he could become a fan favourite uh, quite quickly. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of rival fans have sort of got this misconception that Kite is sort of a Kante-type player, but he's obviously much more than that, which we've seen in pre-season. I mean, while he is excellent at breaking up play and putting a tackle in, I think it's his attacking abilities and creativity, where he's more likely to thrive this season. 
I mean, for like the last two seasons with Leipzig, he's one of the best players in the Bundesliga. And in, I mean, last season, like you said, he managed to score nine and get seven assists last season. That was already when his head was kind of elsewhere and already at the club. And I mean, as we've seen in pre-season, he's already developed a relationship with Sturridge and the connection they've got there. And when he links up with Firmino, Salah, Mane, um, that will obviously improve. And I think, I think a lot of fans haven't fully grasped just how good he'll be for us. And at the moment, he's going to be my personal pick who will be our player of the season. Well, that's an early shout there. Um, just like, like you said, on that, that Kaita Sturridge link up, I was going to mention as well, it does somewhat remind me of, you know, back in the day in 13-14 when we had Coutinho and Sturridge and that sort of, yeah, you know, sort of, yeah, like, tele, uh, you know, telepathic, telepathic connection. Thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it is is really promising, I think, and and obviously we'll touch on Sturridge a bit later. I think is a quite a, you know, is is going to be a big season, I think, for him potentially. So we'll touch on him a bit later on. But yeah, that sort of um, that Coutinho esque, you know, sort of vision. Um, it would be it'd be really nice to see. I think we've you know obviously a lot's been spoken about the the fact we haven't really missed him and we have actually gone on to be better. But you know he was such an important player for us throughout his time with us that now seeing Kai to come in potentially flourish in a similar role it could be really exciting this season um what do you think well, you know obviously we haven't really signed a Coutinho replacement have we do you think Kaita can maybe step into that either Taylor or Laurie if you want to go for that one uh yeah I think he I think he can I think he'll relish being the main creative source but I will say that it is a bit frustrating to miss out on Fiki I think he would have uh suited us like a glove uh, with Cater, the problem is he's very direct and one-dimensional. Like he likes to run forward with the ball. He's not one to, I don't know, dink a pass over the top like a Coutinho or a Fakir, which I think against teams that like to sit back, that would have really helped us. But uh, obviously, Cater, I think I think he'll do wonders this season. I think, as Laurie said, he'll surprise a lot of people. Yeah, I think you've got to say with missing out Fakir. I think if we hadn't had Ox, it wouldn't have been such a problem. I think missing Ox for the whole season will be a massive blow, especially if he's just about to find his form and he's really flourishing in Klopp's side. I think having losing him for a season is a massive blow. I mean, at least we've got Lalana who's going to be like a new signing, but... He doesn't... In my opinion, I think with Lalana, he doesn't have the same sort of energy as he used to do. And I think no. Ox was like almost the second coming in that sense. Yeah, I was really impressed exactly. by him in the second half of last season. And he is going to be a big miss, like you said. I mean, the good thing about Cater is that he does bring the explosiveness over a few yards that Ox does, so that kind of energy to the midfield that we might miss with Ox. Yeah, in that in that particularly as well, like we saw that against Manchester City, didn't we, when we beat them 3-0, when, um, when he did make that run from midfield and then just <laughs> drill it into the bottom corner, and he also did it in the Champions League as well, didn't he, of course, when it was that one that went right in the top uh, left, Gerard-esque, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just got to hope that when he comes back, he hasn't lost, because a year out leg, it means he hasn't lost the pace dynamism, which makes him such a special player and fit our side so perfectly. I mean, you have to just hope he hasn't lost that. So. Yeah, if we look down the years as well, wasn't it Torres that had quite a serious knee injury as well, and he sort of lost, lost that, yeah, exactly. that edge to his game, didn't he? In the exact same way. So yeah, you know, it's, it's a bit worrying. But just going back to Kite, obviously he did make a, a, a decent impression in preseason, I thought. But, you know, when it comes to making an impact, I think Shakiri was the one that really um was the one that really stole the headlines there. And that's Shakiri! And that is absolutely brilliant. An overhead kick against Manchester United pre-season or not. That is memorable. And what he did with that bicycle kick against United, he's almost paying back his price tag already for me. I thought it was absolutely excellent. So 
Um, if we look more in detail uh, across preseason, maybe just not at Shakiri, but um, results can be, you know, there there can be irrelevant because we, you know, there's teams, there's so many variables within these teams. So you've got the training methods that they're using at the time, fitness levels, and who's actually available for selection, especially, like you said, off the back of a World Cup. If we maybe look at recent fixtures um, where teams are getting closer to the start of the season, we beat Man City 2-1, United 4-1, Napoli 5-0. Those are terrific results. Um, who's impressed you the most in, in pre-season, Taylor? Uh, in terms of the senior players, it has to be Sturridge. Uh, everyone thought his time at Liverpool was up, and it seemed like he was departing the club this time, as he just didn't buy into what Klopp likes in a forward for me, and it much well suited. Even Solanke seems to prefer. And it would have been a real shame if he was to depart, because he's a real fan favourite. You can see everyone rooting for him this pre-season, but he's come back from his loan spell, which wasn't the best of West Brom injured for most of it, but he's been... He's rejuvenated, he's got his head down, he's worked extremely hard to get back to full fitness. And I think it's a credit to Klopp for being able to identify that despite him losing his pace over the first few yards due to the multiple injuries he's had in over the years, his technical ability on the ball and his intelligence is still as good as it was back in his prime, back in 2013-14. And he's had a great pre-season, finishing as our top scorer and... I think we can all agree he's a better option than the likes of Solanke, Origi and Ings to play back up to Firmino. Yeah, 100%. yeah definitely. But obviously um... the biggest issue is if he can stay fit throughout the season, and if he can, then he's got a big role to play this season, which I think will delight every single Liverpool fan because we know what Sturridge can do on the pitch. And he, you've seen the bond he's built with people like Naby Keita off the pitch, welcoming, welcoming them into the squad. And you can tell he just wonders for team spirit, which is what Klopp really insists on building. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can completely agree with you there. I think um, Sturridge was the main the main man for me, at least in my opinion. And, and like you said, if he can get ahead of Solanke, get ahead of Ings and Origi, and really show that he is the, you know, and it's it's a weird one because when you get second strikers, the ones that clearly back up to, to you know, Firmino here, it's hard to keep them in that role. But maybe with Sturridge, maybe he's coming around, he's, he's deciding to accept that because, you know, when he went to West Brom, even when he was the main man, he was only there for three days, what it felt like, and then he was injured again. So, yeah, hopefully this sort of bit part role might play into his hands a bit more. You know, there's less time on the pitch. Fitness is less of a worry in that sense. Um Laurie, who's impressed you in preseason? I mean, in terms of senior players, like you've said, it's hard not to be impressed by Shakiri this preseason. I mean, I know there's a lot of fans before he signed had this idea that he wasn't a clock player and he was lazy. But from what we've seen in preseason, I mean, that couldn't have been further from the truth. I mean, I think a lot of fans would thought he'd be a backup option or rotation for Salah and Mane on the wing. But from preseason, we've shown that he can play sort of a much bigger role in the team. And possibly even as an alternative to Fakir, he could almost be that creative role in the number 10. Sort of like his assist yesterday for storage against Torino is a perfectly sort of death ball. And I mean, if he can replicate that, I mean, and what I mean, what can be a bicycle kick on your debut against a Manx? I mean, yeah. you can't top that. <laughs> I think that's how you announce yourself, isn't it? If you're going to exactly, do it, yeah. that's how you do that's it. That's the way. Yeah. So is there only one else? The, the impression maybe like a younger player or... Curtis Jones, I'd say, for me, is going to stand out. Uh, it's always, obviously, it's always good to see a, a local lad and product of the academy come through into the first team like Trent did last season. And obviously, for many youngsters, pre-season's a time where they get to play a lot of games to show the manager what they can do. And Klopp, in his interview, I can't remember what game, it was one of the first games he assisted on youth players. He wants to see them making the right option, whether that be a pass, shot, cross, positioning, etc., rather than try to be the standout, flashy, uh, flashy type of player. And I think Curtis Jones has really knuckled down and focused on those basics and taken his chance and shone. So uh, I think we want to see him in, in and around the first team squad this season because 
you want to keep our momentum going that he's built up because going from pre-season football with the first team with the likes of Salah, Mane around you down to back, back down to under 23s, under 18s football is obviously quite a step down. It's hard to get back into that kind of rhythm. Yeah, um, it's it's a criticism I've actually had of Liverpool in recent years. I felt we haven't brought through enough young talent, and I think um, obviously Trent is really, if we look at it, the only one that's really come through and looks convincing. Um, we've had so many young players that just get shipped out on loan or or sold on when they haven't shown enough promise. Um, yeah. So it's one of the criticisms. So I really hope Klopp changes that that mentality. If he is going to be here for a long time, you you would want to see players like Jones come through and actually have an impact, and Woodburn, yeah, uh, for that matter, and and potentially Solanke have an impact. Um, Laurie, was there anyone else you wanted to, you know, to bring up? Yeah, I mean, similarly to Jones in the academy, I've personally really impressed with Rafa Camacho, I mean, this pre-season. I mean, many fans would have been unfamiliar with him before this pre-season, but, and they would have, from what they've seen, he would have assumed he's a right back. I mean, he seems to sort of slotted in there. I mean, he drove forward against Tranmere to score, score a goal there, and he was superb against United as well. I mean, but obviously he's not actually, if you look to pre-season with the under-18s with Gerrard last season, he's more typically a winger. And I mean, he scored a fantastic goal against United and the under-18s. I mean, and his versatility to act as both a right-back, a winger. I mean, the last few minutes against Torino, he played as a centre-mid. So that would be appealing to Klopp. And I'd be excited to see the likes of him and Jones and possibly even Phillips get a few minutes in the cups this season. I mean, he looks ready to go now, simply for Trent. Yeah, definitely. I think Klopp's actually trying to sort of experiment with this with his versatility and being more versatile within his system. If we look across his time during Liverpool, he has been quite set on on certain players playing certain positions. So maybe it is with these young players that you can see where the talent is there. Like like with Joe Gomez, obviously he adapted his role from a centre back to a right back, and that worked well. Milner from a centre mid to a left back worked well as well. So you know maybe he is leaning into versatility more so than he has previously. Um, if we move on, yeah, to another to another signing, Fabinho, um, one we really didn't expect. If we can all be honest here, um, it was pretty much out of left field, wasn't it? Mm, I think yeah. Atletico, yeah, Atletico Madrid were interested, um, and and that was to be honest expected, you know, for him to go there. But you know, was it forty four, forty five million pounds on that? Forty four point seven, I think. Was it about that? Yeah, about there that, we yeah. go. I'm in the ballpark, but um, yeah. It was it was a shock to be honest when I found out, and I'm glad that we've picked him up because he's such a brilliant player. Um, what were you? I know this is a bit out, out of the blue, but um, what were your like initial thoughts when we picked up Fabinho, um, Taylor? Oh, I was delighted to pick him up. Like I think in terms of our playstyle, he's a perfect defensive midfielder for us. But literally, because he'd been linked with Atletico Madrid, Manchester United, no one really put it like linked him with us. I think we all had uh, the likes of Jorginho, uh, Diawara, and Didi. All kind of like linked. We never, no one really thought of Fabinho, despite his impressive performances over the years. So it was a nice surprise to get that done in the matter of a few hours. The news broke. Yeah, and it's also it felt like Fabinho was almost a player above our heads, and whether that's down to um, sort of how we're quite pessimistic generally as fans. I know amongst us group, a lot of us are, <laughs> but um, you know, you don't expect to go out there and get those top players, do you? And and it is a nice surprise when we can go out and show that we are a big club and we can secure those players. Um, when it comes into Fabinho specifically, he is expected to start against West Ham, um, with Henderson still recovering from the World Cup. Um, what have you thought of him throughout pre-season? Because um, it's if, if Twitter's anything to go by, it's been mixed reviews almost, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, definitely. And I think the criticism has been largely unfair. I think fans are forgetting that 
Fabinho's role isn't to be extravagant, it's simply to hold position in front of the defence, break up the play and keep the ball moving when he gets it. Obviously, admittedly, it's not the thing that fans pay the price to go watch games. It just doesn't get fans off their seats, that role, but every team needs someone to do it. And it's quite interesting how he's a different breed of defensive midfielder. You look at Kante, quite small, tenacious, gets along the ground quickly. Then you've got Matic, a big brute, whereas Fabinho's tall, but he's quite lean, which is a, a different kind of player that we've seen in the Premier League. And game by game, he's improving. I think we can all agree on that. The last two games, he's been a lot better against Napoli and Torino. And it needs to be remembered it's a learning process for him. He's come from a completely different league with a completely different style of play. And the Premier League's one of the most toughest leagues to adapt to. It's so fast-paced and the Klopp system, which is built on controlled chaos, is probably the, one of the hardest systems, along with Guardiola, to adjust to. And I think people understate the importance of adjusting to a league. Like, even players like Salah last season were adjusting, like, for attacking players, it's easy to adjust because you can have a poor performance and average performance. You can hide it with a goal or something. Fabinho isn't like to score, so if he has a bad performance, he can't cover up with a tackle because no one's going to remember a tackle in the middle of midfield. And if you look at Salah's first game against Watford last season, he wasn't particularly amazing because he was still adapting. But he got a goal and found it was a good performance. Go forward a few months to his home performance against Watford where he scored four. And that's the point of the season where you can see that he's fully comfortable at the club and in his peak. And that type of steady rise is what I think we will see with Fabinho. Yeah, yeah. It will take some time, I think, for him to bed in um, naturally with any sort of new sign. And you see it with Kaito as well, I thought, his first. You know what, he wasn't. You know, not every player is going to hit the ground running. That's that's the thing. You'll see that. As soon as that price tag gets higher, the expectation does as well. And you saw it with Paul Pogba um, a few seasons back now where it was instant, they had like stuff like Pogba Cam and all this ridiculous stuff. And you think that is, it's the way football's going, isn't it? People expect an instant hit. People expect um, you to, to start on and be brilliant straight away. And it's not always the case. Um, Laurie, is there anything you wanted to add on Fabinho or? Yeah, I mean, for, I mean, we've been the CDM role. We've deployed him, Henderson, Chan, I mean, Lucas said, but I mean, arguably since the, the days of Mascherano, we've been crying out for the, a traditional defensive midfielder and I mean it's not as Taylor said it's not the flashiest job in the team it's not the role that's going to get everyone on their feet but arguably one of the most important in a team I think people are already getting on Fabinho's back I mean I think Ian Doyle yesterday in the Echo gave him a 5 out of 10 which I don't know if that's based on missing a penalty or what but he does a lot more he puts in good tackles he's sort of the glue that rolls onto the glue of the team I think it's underappreciated and I think he will I think he will fit this side perfectly once he adapts once he gels and decide yeah go on Taylor there was something you wanted to add wasn't there uh, yeah so I've, I've, I've always done well the last two games I think his positioning is brilliant the way he he kind of cuts off the passing lane to the opposition I mean my one issue with him instead of just to the counter press you know he's a bit slow to press sometimes like against Napoli a few times they were able to bypass him with one pass but obviously that comes with time he's still adjusting to at Monaco, Ligue's probably a slower league, um, whereas the Premier League is quite fast-paced, so he's still adapting to that style of play. But, and I think he will be a good sign. I think he'll probably be the most underrated player of the season just because his role doesn't get the headlines. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, obviously we mentioned uh, Fabinho there to start against West Ham. Let's actually have a look at that game. Uh, so one thirty at Anfield this Sunday. Um, we've scored four past them on the last three meetings. Um, do we see another thrash into the start this season? Um, or is the new look West Ham under former Man City boss uh, Manuel Pellegrini a real threat and something we should be uh, scared of for the first game, Taylor? I don't think it'll be a thrash, and I think it'll be a close game. Obviously, first competitive game in the season has bound to be a bit of rustiness, like pre-season's all good for uh, by building up fitness and stuff, but 
nothing compares to the start of the Premier League season. And I imagine we'll try and start fast and West Ham will look to set up deep and stifle us. Pellegrini is a good manager, good tactician. But if we can get an early goal, I can see us controlling the game. But if we don't, a tad of frustration may start to kick in through the crowd and then that gets passed down to the players. So I think, well, Fabinho will be a key role in this game because West Ham do have some dangerous players on the counter-attack. The likes of Arnautovic and Felipe Anderson could cause us a large amount of problems. So I think we'll be relying on him to stop that. I do think we'll win. I think we'll edge it 2-1. Um, nothing fancy. But uh, if we can grind out the win, uh, we'll start to the season and get points on the board. Like you said there with Felipe Anderson, it has been their transfer business. It's been it's been impressive, but it's also been a bit of a scattergun approach. Uh, approach sorry, uh, with Felipe Anderson, with Yarlamenko. Um, we've also seen Diop come in and Jack Wilshire. Um, with all these new signings coming in, Laurie, do you think that then could play into our hands? It'd be easier then to face if they put a load of new faces into that team. Will it be easier for us to come up against with them not really forming that those relationships yet on the field? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously it's going to be a completely different side to, I mean, we've played them twice last season, once on the village and once on the Moyes and we beat them 4-1 both times, but it's going to be a completely different game. I mean, Pellegrini, obviously, for Man City, who won the league, um, obviously in the 2013-14 he took it from us but I think he's obviously a really tactically um, he's a really good manager tactically I think it will be a completely different West Ham side with Anderson, Yarmolenko, Arnautovic they've got a lot of attacking threat but obviously it would take a lot of time for them all to gel and obviously to work together I mean in pre-season I think they've had a decent pre-season but they haven't played close to the level of opposition that we've played or a team like us so and it's, for its first game of the season, it's going to be a tough one. I think, I think we will edge it. I don't think it'll be an easy game, but I think, I think we'll see us winning about two. I think two nil be my prediction. I think. Okay, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a three one. I think we could see Salah back on form, and it'll, it'll be nice getting right in there, straight in with maybe a hat trick, yeah. something crazy like that. Stop, yeah. Taylor? stop the one. Stop the uh, one uh, one season one dish outs uh, as quickly as possible. <laughs> Early, yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully kicks the ground running because uh, last two games in preseason he hasn't. Aside from his going against Napoli, he's been actually quite quiet. Yeah. What do you think for a prediction then against West Ham, Taylor? Uh two one. Well, well, edge it. It'll be it'll be nervy though. Two one. Simple. Take the <laughs> take the win and then enjoy Arsenal Man City. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, let's move on to like our, our Premier League predictions then. Uh, we'll start with Liverpool. Uh, a predicted finish. Uh, we'll start with you, uh, Laurie, if that's okay. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with us finishing second this season. I mean, we've made some excellent signings, and we've with Allison, Fabinho, Kai to be fixed. Most of the problems we had last season, but I think at this stage, I just don't see anyone catching City. I mean, obviously they won 32 out of their 38 last season. They won 18 in a row. I mean, that's going to be hard to stop. And even on Sunday against Chelsea in the Community Shield, they looked really good. Aguero looked sharp, fit. And with the depth and the, the talent they have, I think Mares, I think, is an excellent signing. I mean, seventy million is possibly a bit steep, but add, with that adding to the depth they've already got, I mean, it'll be hard for anyone to stop them. But if any team's going to do it, I do see us coming close. And considering we beat them three times last season, I mean, twice in the Champions League and once in the league, I think they'll definitely view us as their biggest threat and their biggest competition. I think it could come down to the final day. I think. Taylor, what do you think then? Uh, yeah, I think I think the general consensus amongst the fan base and uh, with everyone is we'll finish second. Um, so the pressure's on us to perform. Uh, hopefully we can take City all the way, maybe uh, sneak it, but I do think second will be the maximum we can get. Oh, I agree with Laurie, we've, bridged, uh, we've closed the gaps in our team 
we need to do goalkeeper to midfield. Um, it's also when we lack a centre-back because you can't trust Matip, Clavan, Lovren, Gomez to say fit for periods of the season. And obviously, uh, attacking midfield-wise, we're a bit low. Again, Keita will have the most of the responsibility. Shakiri can play there. But Lalana's obviously, I don't see what he offers anymore. So, uh, yeah, I see a finish in second. I think Man City just got a bit too much. I don't think they'll run away with it as much as last year. I mean, if you look at the... Uh, that tables uh, of refereeing decisions. We were actually going to be 10 points off them if the decisions were called correctly. So went on a million miles away, but now they've added Mares, their depth is just something else. And uh, we haven't got the depth to be able to, I don't think, sustain a title challenge to them. Yeah, I think that is the general consensus and most will agree with that. Uh, like you said there with the table as well, that um, was, I think it was the, um, I think they called it the luck index table or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, It was really... It was really impressive to see. I think they did like thousands of simulations into it and that they took into account loads of like different red card decisions and, and penalties and everything like that. And um, if anything, it just shows how much we should have VAR in the Premier League. But obviously, I think it was 15 out of 20 teams voted against it. But that's a, it's a whole different can of worms that if we get into that, we'll be here for hours. So yeah, um, my prediction then. Oh, we're winning the league, boys. It's over. Oh it's done. Yeah, it's Champions. Champions. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Um, I'd love us. I'd love us to really just push them close. A final day would be brilliant. I think we haven't had one of those for about, was it five, six years now? I think it's six. Last one was, no, it's Man City 20. Is it six since? Which one was it? Is it? Yeah. 2012, 13, wasn't it? 2014. Yeah, I think. 20. 24 went to the last day. It wasn't. It was basically done. They went to yeah. the last day, but not like yeah, it was done. Yeah, I think I think yeah. City would have had to have lost. So it was the twenty. It was the, the twenty twelve thirteen. Was no, it was the twenty eleven twelve that was Aguero. I can't remember. Yeah, well, either one of those. Like, that was like the like, fully like, last oh, yeah, yeah. last but, proper yeah. final day, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, drama. So, yeah, yeah. Twenty fourteen West uh, West Ham had to beat City and we had to beat Newcastle, which was never going to happen. Because Ice was just doing nothing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the last drama day was sort of Aguero and the yeah. QPR and Man That was the last big drama. It'd be good to have something like that again, definitely. Yeah, because I, I wrote an article on that not long ago, and and, and it, we miss it really. It's it's so integral, I feel, to a good uh, Premier League season is that final day where yeah, it goes down to everything. Race. As much as my heart wouldn't like it, because I feel like I might die if I had to watch that, and it was us trying to win <laughs> for the Premier League. Um, you kind of want it to happen. You kind of just want it for yeah. the memories and, and just the nostalgia. You could look back on that and think that was just an incredible time. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we can take it to the final day. And that would be just absolutely brilliant, in my opinion, if we could do that. But yeah, I'm with you guys. I think second. And that would show real progress as well. Maybe a trophy as well. That would that would really be a good season for us, in my opinion. So let's move on then. Uh, top goal scorer in the Premier League. Obviously, last season it was Salah at record-breaking season with 32 Premier League goals. Um, you think he, um, he'll be able to replicate this sort of form somewhat. I don't think he'll score 32 goals, though. I think it'll probably be around the 25-26 range. Um, Harry Kane is, I think, his odds-on favourite. Aubameyang is everyone's sort of... It used to be an outside shout, but now it's creeping in as like the, the main you know, the main one to go for as well. So uh, what are you going for, Taylor, for a top goal scorer this season? <laughs> Uh, I think it's I think it's hard to look past Kane or Aubameyang. Uh, Kane, I think actually last season he was quite underrated because of Salah. Like Kane still hit like thirty odd goals, which is incredible in the last his best ever tally. But because of Salah getting thirty two, it's kind of overshadowed a bit. And then you got Aubameyang who hit the ground running straight away last January. I've seen Gomez with Lacazette and Ozil. 
and uh, now under a new system, new manager, he should do well. I don't really rate his all-round game. I think he's more of a poacher, but he gets the goals, and that's all you want from him. He's one of the best uh, goal growers around the world, so I definitely think a booby team, Kane, Aubameyang, with Salah. Uh, I'm thinking he'll hit probably the 20 mark in the league. I'll be happy with that. I don't think he'll reach uh, 13 again. What do you think, Laurie, then? Yeah, I agree with both of you. I mean, I don't think Salah will be able to, obviously, last season. I don't think it's a one-season wonder thing, like a lot of rivals saying, but, I mean, to hit, obviously, the amount of hit in the league, I don't think he'll hit those numbers. I think, like Taylor said, I think he'll bang it around 20, 25 goals in the league, which I think is still a great amount, but I think retaining the golden boot with a with like a Kane, I think Aguero looks sharp, but it's going to be a step too far, but I'm, I'm going to go with Aubameyang, I think. I mean, not only is he one of the best goal scorers in the world, but at the end of um, last season, he managed 10 goals and 4 assists in just 13 matches. And then with a full season, full pre-season, I'm just about on the new manager at Emery, who's tactically really sound. I think it'll be reckon, I think reckon it'll be difficult to stop Aubameyang this season. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I think Aubameyang will get it. I think this it's going to be that you're going to see that pace sort of unleashed in a more attacking um, philosophy under Emery than you saw with Wenger towards the end of last season. Um, and that sort of leans in also to my top four prediction. I think Arsenal will be uh, really good this season. Um, for once, I think they will finish above Spurs and sort of end that two-year uh, run now where they haven't been able to. Um, so my top four, it's uh, Man City winning the league, retaining the title, uh, Liverpool second, Arsenal third, Spurs fourth. However, I could see Man United challenging Spurs for that fourth spot. Potentially, like I said, a final day might decide that. Taylor, what are you going to go with for top four? Uh, obviously Man City to win the title again, Liverpool to be a close runners-up. I don't agree with Arsenal. I think their only time that really impresses me is Torreira. I think the, the rest of them are, are average. And obviously last season, the team that killed them was their away form, and people are saying that uh, Emery will improve that. But if you look at his spell with Sevilla, I think he went a whole season at Sevilla without winning an away game. So it's not much of an improvement on on Wenger in the away form category and he didn't do too well at PSG yeah. so I'm going to go I reckon United will get third I think last season they were underrated actually like barring the style of football they still got 81 points I think it was which in most seasons was enough to win the title so they got the points and they're going to improve on that squad I'd imagine they'll bring in Alderweire out at centre-back um, and keep Pogba obviously linked with Barcelona randomly out the blue yesterday so I think United will finish third just uh, it'll be uh, Marina could go and then fourth, I think, it's a toss-up between Spurs and Chelsea. It uh, depends how quickly Chelsea adapt to Sarri. Um, and the new signings come in, like Jorginho, Kovacic, Links, and how Kepa does in goal. Yeah, I, I think Chelsea will probably be one of the more exciting teams if Sarri can really implement that style. Um, I watched quite a lot of Napoli last season, got really invested into that. And and he's a brilliant manager. And, and obviously there's going to be doubts because he's never won a trophy. And it's it's a short, real career he's had at the top level. But I think they'll be one of the more exciting teams um, to watch this season. Um, so that's everything for today. Uh, the Premier League is kicking off soon. And um, I honestly couldn't be more excited for it as well. Um, I just can't wait to see us back in action. Hopefully it will start uh, be the start of a very memorable season for us. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Anfield Edition for updates throughout the season and there'll be plenty of good content on there such as video and obviously the edits we'll have on this YouTube channel and we'll have hopefully further podcasts onto the Apple um, store as well. So say goodbye Taylor. Goodbye. And say goodbye Laurie. Bye guys. And it's bye from me as well. <laughs>